to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 289, recorded August 19th, 2018. So we're doing Star Trek, The Next Generation, Mirror Broken. Uh, We're going to do the free comic book day uh, issue that came out in 2017, along with issues one and two. Right. Then we'll finish three, four, five next time, next episode. So uh, I am, I'm enjoying this, uh, this story. Uh, I'm enjoying the comics and um, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause I think they're doing, you know, it's the mirror universe and it's yes. set in the real mirror universe that we're all familiar with, with right. the original series and deep space nine. But, uh, but they're doing something a little different, I think. And they're not making everybody just evil for the sake of being evil. It's like, these people are somewhat leaning towards the evil side, but they are not just inherently evil because that's the universe they live in. It's like they're doing a good job of explaining like yeah. how they got there. And right. it's like why why somebody's morals would be different here than they are in our universe Agreed. because uh, aside from just I'm evil because I have a goatee. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm digging this one, these, these issues so far. Yeah. Well, nature nurture time. So – you know, we went down a certain path, and it was a nasty one, and then everybody gets brought, brought up in it. And in some cases, yeah, some of these characters are like, that's what they've been exposed to. But also, there's a little bit of ambition in them. And though they're not necessarily evil, they go and do evil things, or they don't seem like evil people. They do evil things because of ambition. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing more motivation, what motivates them, and things like that in the backstory, which is which is cool. And also, I okay, we're going to start the comics in a minute. But <laughs> one thing that's cool is, I mean, they really are taking a look at what happened in the previous incarnations, uh, what happened in the past in this universe, and they're projecting it out a hundred years in the future to the next gen timeline. And I think that's very cool. So. Right. Now it does not uh, keep up with the continuity that was of of the mirror universes from the the pocketbooks and um, yeah, yeah, yeah and even old IDW comics. Then they do a next generation mirror universe miniseries before. Um, it definitely doesn't seem to be following that that storyline from what I remember of it. Oh, did did they? Oh my! Did we review that? I bet. I'm and I don't remember it. Have. Yeah, it it. it been a while if we have i'll okay. double check but uh but yeah i think we did and it and it was and that one was kind of cool because there was like some issues that were set when picard was well, young and he was uh and he was played by um tom hardy and then it would flash to picard as an adult but i think that was not the mirror universe it was just another universe oh okay okay that makes uh, sense but uh because but, yeah. this i mean definitely as we'll find out um, Spock eventually becomes Emperor Spock and takes the Empire down a certain path. 
which is leading to what we have now, the, the situation that Picard and company are in. Right. Um, and I think that's just really cool. Yeah, so this and is definitely... I'm not, sure about other, I'm not sure about the other things that might have gone on, um, but at least from that projection point, which was hinted at in the original Taz episode, then right. reaffirmed in the um, Taz character um, IDW Mirror Universe comics, and, uh, and now we're seeing what happened from that, proje- that projection. All right, so there was a... There was a... There was a mirror universe Taz. Uh, Taz? Yes. Mm, I don't remember. That, now, that was the one where uh, – <laughs> yeah, now, that was the one where uh, Spock is, you know, gaining power and, and that kind of stuff. And they kind of – did they actually – That might be uh, the same one I'm thinking of. Okay, was there but a that few was... issues that was the original series, then it went to the Tom Hardy, and then it went to Next Generation? I, I don't remember the Tom Hardy one. I don't remember the Tom Hardy He might have just been on the cover. I just remember that cover very right. – very uh well, well we'll we'll figure it out before yeah. next episode so there you go, there you go. but yeah no. this is definitely like from where deep space nine talked about w- the mirror universe so this is like maybe 10 years before that so th- that's that's the way i kind of got it and okay and and all the backstory that that they're talking about here matches up with what i remember kira telling cisco uh mirror kira when she told cisco <laughs> about what happened to um the Federation and why why humans were weren't as powerful in this at that point as they were in the uh, the Taz Mirror Universe episode. Right, right. So good stuff. I, I I've always liked the Mirror Universe, and I think this this issue these issues are really doing it justice. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. So <laughs> should we start? Yeah, let's do it. This okay, is the right. free comic book day, man. Exactly. So this is a free comic book day. This is issue zero. And it's on the short side. So, uh, but it does give us a nice little introduction to this, uh, this uh, TNG world uh, with Picard and uh, at least currently most of his crew. Not all of his crew, though, uh, f- from our normal uh, universe. So, let's see what's going on. Let's do it. Okay. So, this is Mirror Broken, uh, issue zero. Um, it says right in it, free comic Free comic book day. Yay. Um, there's no specific title that I can find uh, for this particular issue. So it's just uh, uh, issue zero of Mirror Broken. Writer is David and Scott Tipton. Great writers. Art and colors by J.K. Woodward. An excellent artist. Um, letterer and world designs. Edits by Sarah Gatos and Chris Sarasi. Production design, Neil Yataki. Publisher, Ted Adams. So there's one cover, and it shows a well-muscled Picard at, seated at the con with this big old white beard um, or goatee, well, whatever. Anyway, it comes down a little ways, uh, and there's a kind of Borgish-looking Data to his right and a sexy-looking Deanna Troy to his left, and the cover was done by J.K. Woodward. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the ISS Enterprise. Its continuing mission, to conquer strange new worlds, to enslave new life forms and civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. The story opens in engineering, where Lieutenant Reginald Barclay is going about his duties, 
helping to keep the old rust bucket he is assigned to running and not killing the crew. The stargazer has definitely seen better days, but rather than being scrapped for metal, she is still kept in service to the Terran Empire. More often than not, the old girl is assigned to patrol the soul system and keep Earth safe from the many vandals nipping at the Empire's heels. That damned Emperor Spock, who made the Empire so weak that most of its conquered planets are lost. The Empire retreated back into the soul system from which it sprang. Reg is bored and wants to make a bold move to get out of his rut of a job. Ambition is calling to him, but what exactly to do? As he is pondering his next big move, he is called to the bridge. When he arrives, the captain ushers him in to his ready room, with Troy joining them. Barclay does not think much of Picard's leadership, and does not trust his mind-reading midwitch Troy. But he keeps all that to himself. Picard offers Barclay an, an important assignment to assist Security Chief Yar on a transfer of Vulcan slaves who are being transported via multiple ships. Given the status of Picard's first officer, Yar could use the extra help. Reg accepts the, the assignment. This could be just the bold move he has been looking for. Reg reports to Yar in the transporter room, where her very large and intimidating bodyguard is watching over her. Yar gut-punches Reg, saying is too slow, and wondering aloud why Picard assigned this wimpy engineer to this slave transfer mission. When an emergency transmission comes in, suddenly, reporting a Vulcan uprising in convoy ships 5 and 6, Barclay helps Yar by carrying out a fast tactical scan of the two ships. Yar then destroys both ships and the thousands of slaves on board with photon torpedoes. Yar is happy over her decisive, if costly, actions that should keep the remaining slaves in line. Yar dismisses Reg, but on his way back to engineering, Reg is attacked by an ambitious ensign who would have killed Reg if not for Mr. Data. Reg does not like Data either, as he is such a mystery to everyone. The illegal Borg implants and almost completely Borg left arm he uses does not add to his warm and cuddly visage. Later, in the shuttle bay, with a crowd in attendance, Picard commends Yar for her swift and brutal action in service of the Empire. He pins a symbol to her uniform. Reg steals himself, knowing that this is his golden opportunity. Time for bold action. As Picard and Yar walk to the walk to the hangar exit and part ways, Reg runs up behind Yar and brandishes a dagger. He fatally plunges it into her back. She falls, and with her last words calls Reg a coward. Picard, flanked by a security detail, applauds Reg for taking his advice. He derides Yar and her unthinking waste of the Empire's precious resources. The transport ships, the slaves, and the crews were unnecessary losses. Picard states a vacancy has just opened up and offers Reg the post of security chief. security chief. Reg accepts gladly, for now. 
to be continued. So Reg is the 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 window for this issue. I thought that was actually pretty good. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, talk about somebody who seems more fish out of water than anything in a universe like this. Oh yeah, and and, and he's. So I, I was reading in the back of the the comic a little bit. So he is going to be the guy that we follow through uh, as he rises uh, through the ranks, uh, at least at first through assassination. How interesting. Right. I did like how in the back they were talking about how, um, you know, even though it's a mirror universe, it still kind of closely follows the universe we're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And since Tar, excuse me, since Yar uh, dies pretty early and the originals, timeline that that he or she dies pretty early again too there you go there you go i thought that was good cool yeah it was nice seeing her again yeah she had a, a more heroic death i think here than than the pepto-bismol monster oh yeah well heroic i don't know i mean uh, uh it meant something not not necessarily uh, to her but it meant something <laughs> to Reginald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I don't know <sighs> Maybe maybe uh, meant something is a is a different is a, is the wrong term, but right. Well, she she went down. Well, she got she went down stabbed in the back. <laughs> Ouch! And do you see the look on her face? I I think that was an excellent look on her face. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and she's a little surprised. She's sh- surprised, and you can see the pain in her eyes and things. Um, and it's like, like just a perfect look on her face. And this is not the, this is not the last time we're going to see that. So, um, I think that JK Woodward is doing an excellent job of (laughs) doing people's faces, emotionally reacting to things. And this is the first one that I really like. There's some other ones coming up with Reg and, uh, other people, uh, even Data, uh, (laughs) With looks on their faces, and I think it's just so well done, so well uh, drawn. It's there. because of his artwork is so good. Well, okay, so every time we every time we do a comic, <laughs> J.K. J. Woodward is an excellent artist. No two ways about it. I still don't like the watercolor uh, style style that he usually uses. However, I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to it, and <laughs> uh, and at times, uh, it, it looks really good. So, yeah, I really like it, and yeah. uh, I think I've mentioned that a time or two. Yes, you have in the past. Mm-hmm. Yep, still, still a fan. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like he he's uh, he's la- he's labeled as co-creator of this mirror universe next generation. Um, oh, okay, good characters. So that's kind of cool that the Tiptons give him uh, some sort of credit for creating these characters even though you know they're not really creating the characters they're just creating these versions of the characters but still so it's basically the 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 three of them so i I thought that was kind of cool because because there's actually a sequel to this already uh called um through the mirror or something like that um which is uh continues the story of of these mirror universe dudes right right i've only read the first three but if this continues on and ends um, very well uh, on a high note with something really good, which I think it will, then uh, I, I'm very interested in this universe. So are you saying that if it doesn't end well, you're not going to keep reading them? Because I don't believe that. 
<laughs> well, of course, I'm going to keep reading them, but I'm just saying I, I would I would like it even more. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm digging it so far. Yep. No, I wish I would have gotten this issue in in paper format. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's free. But uh, but also, I think that this artwork looks really good on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's all glossy and stuff like that. And maybe you lose a little bit of that impact when you're just looking at it on a computer or a tablet. Mm. Yeah. But uh, but again, no, that's go just buy me. one. Go buy. I it. should. I should. You should. I, I know you've sworn off on physical comics, but you maybe you want to make an exception. I don't think I ever said swore off, but uh, but that's yeah, not your modus operandi anymore. No, I just don't have any room for it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Well, me, me neither. Yeah, you you, you got you got to look at your situation, and once you start overflowing closets. <laughs> you have to pull back a little bit. Plus, the electronic stuff is so handy. Sure. Yeah. So back to the issue. I like how um, Data's hobby is just creating new arms for himself. And <laughs> some of them are very Borg-like, but other ones are just kind of just weird. There's like a – looks like a claw machine one uh, he has hanging up behind him in his little lab. It just looks like a claw attached to a, a, a bicep. Right. I guess it's supposed to be Borgy, but uh, but it just the it's shorter than a normal arm. Right. Yeah. I, at first, I thought uh, Data was going to look the one way the whole time with the Borg stuff on his face, and then the arms and all that kind of stuff. And as we right. go through the issues, you'll see that he his look changes uh, in, in the upcoming issues, especially. So uh, he's he's he experiments on himself quite a bit. Right. So it would be kind of cool to understand how, how they encountered the Borg. And obviously, it happened earlier. Them. What's that? And beat them, at least enough. Right, yeah. 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 So uh, did, did, <laughs> did Riker come up with the great plan or, or what? Uh, did they Borgify Picard uh, in the process and then he came back? Um, I, I don't know. But obviously, Borgs are around and they, they had enough uh, – interaction that data is able to get his hands on parts right or at least adapt the technology to his own right maybe he has some borg nanites and they're just like helping him re- reshape uh federation metal or uh, earth metal but, but can nanites are nanites well, i guess i think yeah, of, just... I, I think of nanites being in a physical uh flesh and blood body but no they could be anywhere okay fine sure. gotcha Okay. Yeah, which I'm not a big fan of the when when first contact started doing that, where you can get injected with nanites and then suddenly, you know, kind of like a a boil or something pops up on your head and then just starts yeah. sprouting like like electric components and stuff. Looks really cool, but it doesn't make sense. I mean, where's where's it coming from? Uh right. What what was that? <laughs> that was in Star Trek. Yeah, what? in first contact, when when they started getting uh, assimilated, they would just get injected with those little oh, tubes, and then all of a sudden, right. the Borg stuff's just kind yeah, like yeah, pouring out right. of their body and okay, then so, shaping yeah. on their face and stuff. Where right. I like in in the original series, the original Next Generation, where it shows them like sawing parts off and exactly. sticking it on. And That's the way to do it. You got to implant it. Right. You're on you're on a uh, a table, and they're sticking stuff in you. Right. 
Yeah. So ever since then, first contact looked really cool, but doesn't. I don't like that version of nanites. Yeah. As opposed to uh, a more, you know, visceral one where you yeah. actually sawing away bits. Yeah, but but that <laughs> is more scary. I mean, because because it's more of a vampire thing, right? So you get it in the throat, and they don't have to take you back to the to the cube. Uh, they don't have to do operations on you. You just start changing without any additional, uh, no parts required. Right. You know, so I never thought about the vampire thing, but yeah, it yeah. even two little two little holes on the side of your neck, just like the traditional vampire bite. Yep. Yeah, good call. I never even yeah. noticed that. I they never were, realized that. They were always a little vampirish, especially huh. in, uh, in next in in uh, first contact. Right. Huh. Anyway. Good, good call. All right, I don't really have anything else on this one. I'm going to save some of my comments about just the universe in general for the next issue. Okay, cool. Do you have anything else? I just got a few little things. Sure. Um, uh, I'm wondering how far Barkley's going to go. I mean, he's going to rise up in the ranks. I mean, is he really going to go? Is he going to really make it to captain? Um, It should be interesting by the end of the fifth issue to find out. Um, Also, (laughs) Reg's physique. I mean, he and All like physiques. Well, okay, hold on. Reg is still a skinny little guy, and he's in a he's in a bulky he's in a bulky uniform. So there's the there's definitely the uh, people that are uh, like officers and things. They all are like they, they don't have sleeves. Yeah, they do the like like the Kirk thing. So they got no sleeves on their uniforms. But where Kirk had you know kind of normal you know decent shape whatever. These guys have huge muscles, and, and they work it. And uh, they're all like WWE wrestlers or something. I mean, they're, they're you know, they, they they got the guns on them. But Reg does not, at least not in this issue. Um, he's wearing a loose-fitting uniform, and it seems like the grunts get to wear the loose-fitting <laughs> full uniforms. And then when you start being somebody to be taken seriously or maybe if you're a security guy or maybe something like that, then you start going for your sleeveless, ugh, you know, kind of kind of muscly thing. But as of now, Barkley just looks like a, you know, a grunt. Yeah, normal dude. Right. Yeah, mo- most of them, I mean, he's like the only one that has sleeves, right? There's like one other woman when they're all getting the, uh, at the promotion thing that Yar has, that has sleeves, but everybody else seems to have the, the cutoffs. Uh, I- yeah, I, I saw I, – I, I didn't count how many I saw, but I saw some people in, through this issue that had, um, that had like regular bulky uniforms. And they okay. are bulky uniforms. Right. I mean they, they, they look like they're almost a size too big, which Maybe I Maybe just the engineer odd. guys because they're having to uh, – uh, you yeah. know, in case there's radiation or something. I don't know. You don't, oh, you radiation. Don't want your, you don't want your arms burned off. I Radi- don't know. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's not just cloth. It's actually woven metal or something. Yeah, well, I don't know, yeah. but I don't. Yeah, normal cloth wouldn't help you much. It's a lead lined uh, uniform. That's it, lead lined uniform. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But I, I am kind of wondering how far up he's going to go. Um, well, not to spoil it, but but in the next issue, he's not the main focus anymore. So I was really thinking that maybe it's just his first issue, kind of as the as the introduction to the universe. Barclays like our our window in, right. but after that he seems to be kind of in the background most of the time. He's there, well, but but he's not a main player. He's well, not narrating what, it like he is here. Yeah, 
But if what they said at the first issue, or the uh, uh, issue zero, is correct in the back, um, it's going to get back to them. So as we'll see, there's definitely themes of getting the band back together, or together in the first place, and then like a big heist kind of storyline, which is pretty cool. So um, that kind of stuff has to get done. Uh, so, but you are right. I mean, Barkley is in the background in the coming issues, but he's going to have to come back in again. All right. Uh, into being the focus. And it should be interesting to see where he strikes next. Anywho. Okay. So, um, okay. So it's cool how it's setting up the idea that, um, everybody's on this broken down old stargazer and, and and Picard wants to get off it and get into a real ship. So, um, and it talks about the Enterprise D, which, interestingly enough, doesn't exist yet. Um, it's coming up, and he wants to get it, and nobody better get in his way. So I think that's really, uh, really interesting. In this issue, they actually talk about that? Because I don't remember them saying anything about Enterprise. Yeah. Um, in the book, they do, but not in the narration so far. But they talk about it uh, in the book, uh, but not in the you know not in the storyline because they haven't found out about it yet. But definitely, right. he, so you're just saying in general you're you're jumping ahead a little bit. Um, you, you're no longer on this issue. You're just saying in general what you like. Well, uh, same thing with uh, Reg, us following us him up the ranks. It yeah. came from the back. Oh 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 okay I got gotcha. you. I didn't read. Okay, I got. Well, I got where you're coming from. Gotcha. Yeah. Also, if you look on the on the title page, um, or like the third page of the book, return to the mirror universe with next generation crew in a way you've never seen them before. Captain John Luke Picard will stop at nothing to get his hands on the Terran Empire's newest starship, the Enterprise, gotcha. and no one had better stand in his way. That's so, exactly what you said a second ago. Well, yes. kind of. Um, but I mean, okay, so it's not in the storyline, but it's in the book. Sure, gotcha. Nope. Anyway. All right, so you're not spoiling anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, they're labeling this issue as a prequel to the miniseries. So that's part of the reason it's a zero, I guess. But they're talking about it as a, as a quote, prequel. Okay. Right. It Great. is. Great. Fine. Okay. Cool. Um, and I think, yeah, uh, that's it. I got nothing else to say on this one. So when, uh, when Yar destroyed those Vulcan ships... I, I was wondering. I wonder if Tuvok and his family were on those ships. <laughs> you never know. Actually, I, mean, I do know. I do know because Tuvok is actually in one of the Deep Space Nine Mirror Universe episodes, so he is not on well, that ship. He's, wasn't he's, it, he lives. Well, wasn't it okay? So wasn't okay. So I kind of remember that now. Um, but but they're like um, it's like the rebel kind of thing. So, like, the rebel element that's going against the uh, Empire, right? That was the storyline there? Uh, no, it was the Earth had been beaten so badly that that they were rebels against the Klingon, uh, Cardassian. Oh, Alliance? Uh, right. Oh. Yeah, those mm. two factions had uh, merged, and they, were, they basically controlled the whole universe. Yeah. Okay. And so it was the humans well, that were banding together um, to try to fight off. Uh, and, and Bajor was part of the Cardassian Empire. Right. 
And Ed Tuvok was... Yeah, he was just in the background of one episode, and then he, he had a little bit of a line, but it was enough that in the commercials they were like, and guest starring Tuvok from Star Trek. <laughs> Deep Space Nine. Or, uh, okay. Voyager. Okay, cool. Okay. Moving on. To issue so, number are one. You ready to move on? I'm issue ready. number two? Issue number one? Issue number one. <laughs> Our second issue was called issue number one. Yes, exactly. Confusing. <laughs> All right. So uh, Mirror Broken, issue number one, came out May 2017 by IDW. Um, all of the credits are exactly the same as issue zero, with the exception that uh, Sarah Gatos is the only build editor on this one. Uh, as uh, with all number ones that come out from IDW, there is a ton of covers. So the first cover is by J.K. Woodward. It shows a bearded Picard, his his face, and a little bit of his shoulders, and then a ICC. Actually, it says NCC. Um, oh, NCC is the registration. Sorry, but it's the ISS uh, Stargazer kind of coming out of an explosion right behind him. Uh, cover B, also by uh, J.K. Woodward, looks almost exactly like the other one, except it looks like it was broken. And then, uh, like if it was a mirror that was broken and, and all the shards are either the picture from before or normal Picard um, without the beard and in a normal Federation uniform. The uh, RIA cover is by Joe Corony, and it shows a Borgified data kind of looking at you over his shoulder holding a knife uh, in the corner we see a muscled um, bearded Picard and then kind of in the bottom left hand corner is the Enterprise D bursting out of what, what looks like a broken mirror or something the RIB cover is by Adam Rosenland and it's kind of a – looks like a propaganda poster almost, um, but it's it just shows Picard, Data, Troy, Geordi, and Riker kind of all looking off to the left, either pointing or um, shooting a phaser. Not really shooting, but at least pointing the phaser. So Picard's pointing his arm. The rest are either brandishing some sort of weapon, knives, swords, whatever. All right, and then the sub cover – which is by George Castotis is a kind of interesting picture of Troy. Um, her earrings are actually kind of looks like the Discovery a little bit with the giant saucer section and then the nacelles and stuff coming off. Um, but it's it's just like a hoop hoop earring with with the nacelles at the bottom. Uh, the picture is all in black and white with the exception of her fingernails and the. Um, pins on her blouse and her fingernails and the earrings so it's, it's kind of a uh, weird that those are gold and the rest of it is black and white and that's the last cover so the story starts with uh, evil Picard being called to the bridge uh, he was playing chess with himself or actually he was playing with the computer um, and now he is heading off to the bridge of the ISS Stargazer uh, Inquisitor Troy joins him in the turbo lift, and they chit-chat about how crewman morale uh, within the Empire is in disarray ever since Mirror Spock tried to change the Federation all those years ago. And they also talk a little bit about how the Cardassian and Klingon empires have grown and taken over most of their territory. 
Troy also talks about how there's a mythical new ship that everybody's talking about, and the crew seems to be most hopeful. And it's like half and half. So you either believe it or the other half thinks that you're really stupid for believing it, that there's some sort of magical ship that's going to return the Terran Empire to its proper uh, glory. When they arrive at the bridge, they are informed that the Stargazer has detected a damaged Cardassian ship. A firefight with the ship ensues, and the Stargazer is able to vent all of the atmosphere out of the Cardassian ship, killing everybody. And then they beam over two random survivors into the brig. They then lock on with a tractor beam, and they start towing it back to the Earth solar system. While en route to the solar system, Data and Picard talk about how Data should show some more initiative, that he shouldn't just spend all day in his room making up new arms. Data is then uh, called to go to lunch with uh, Chief Engineer Barclay, which I guess he's not Chief Engineer anymore. He should be Security Chief Barclay. Uh, but uh, even Barclay says something to Data that uh, he needs to get out more and show some more initiative. The two break up a fight that ensues in the mess hall regarding one person believing about the new ship and the other one thinking he's absolutely nuts. Later, Picard, Data, and Barclay beam down to Mars uh, to give the spoils of their fights back to the Empire. Picard is very rudely informed that a broken ship and just two prisoners is hardly good enough. On their way back to the transporter pad to return to the Stargazer, Data takes it upon himself to punch a hole in the wall and jack his brain straight into the security system to steal some information. Later on the ship, Picard and Data are reviewing the information that he stole, and it seems that there is indeed a new ship out there, and it's called a Galaxy-class starship with the name Enterprise. They look at the roster and they recognize that there is a person named Jordy LaForge on the manifest, and that person actually used to work with Picard, so he thinks that uh, they should pay the guy a visit. Jordy is tired of being treated unfairly by the engineering crew of the Enterprise, and he agrees to help Picard take the ship. When Picard asks where the ship is, Jordy takes them outside, gives them a pair of binoculars, points up into the sky, and has him take a look. There, they see the ISS Enterprise, uh, just a little part of it, because most of it is cloaked in what Jordy calls a cloaking net. And that's where they leave off, to be continued. Wow, Picard gets a look at the ship of his dreams. A vessel which is appropriate for his greatness, his great leadership. Right. So I like the way they depict him here. He he is not a mustache twirling villain because of his counterpart being a good guy. Here he's he's stern, yes, but he's never like I'm going to crush people because that's what I need to do is crush people. He, you know, he wants to help his empire. Yes. But he doesn't come and across as evil. No. As as like evil Kirk did. Yeah. And and he's got blind ambition. He's got strong ambition, but that's tempered with the idea that he sees his empire failing, and he thinks he is just the right kind of guy to use this weapon, this ship, to uh, help uh, turn the tide. 
Right. And so nobody are... likes Jellico, so, so <laughs> he is the perfect person. I love how he keeps mentioning Jellico. That's yeah. Great. And then us, the readers, are like, yeah, we don't like him either. I don't That's... care what universe he's from. We don't like him. You don't like Dick Jones. You don't like Jellico. <laughs> the man has never played anybody you liked. Uh, he usually does play jerks. But, right. uh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, interesting thing, though, is I watched a uh, YouTube video where the guy who's, who's a big fan or whatever makes the case for Jellico, uh, saying that uh, Jellico was doing what Starfleet asked him to do. And he got the job done. And if anything, it was members of the crew, especially Riker, who were uh, kind of jerks towards Jellico. And, and it's like, right? No, absolutely. And it's I like, agree with him. you know, he's right. However, not a hundred percent right. But I really never thought of it that way. I just didn't like Jellico, and I thought he was a jerk, and he, he didn't have to do things the way he did things. But this guy made some good points. Anyway, whatever. Right. So I, I can imagine. Are we going to see? I hope we see. Uh, the evil Empire Jellico, because he would really be a jerk then. Right. Or he could be the opposite, and here he's just this meek <laughs> guy. <laughs> really nice. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but that would be funny. That would be funny. Okay, so um, I'm looking at some of the uh, the shots they have, uh, the, uh, the data that they got, uh, that, the data that data obtained. And it looks like uh, it's actually the um, All Good Things version of the Enterprise with three nacelles. With three nacelles, yep. And kind of like what looks like like guns coming out of the saucer section. Right. Um, you know. Uh, and, and, and But the bottom of the saucer section looks a little different. But still, I mean, cool. So they didn't just take the Enterprise D. They took the amped up version from right. uh, that, that Admiral Riker in our universe was, uh, was flying around. Right. Yeah, yeah. I like that too. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's good. So I'm curious that when we actually do get to see the enterprise, if it will look like that, or if this, uh, this version is the only time we see the, the three nacelles when right. it's like a blueprint or something. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think they'll go with the, um, with the three nacelle one. I mean, cause if I, all the- I think, that would make sense. That would make sense, yeah. It doesn't have to look exactly like ours, just with a new, new, fresh painting, fresh right. paint job. Yeah, right. With the yellow paint job and stuff. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah, and and it makes it more of a threat with the three nacelles, and definitely with those aggressive looking, uh, what looks like phaser guns or something coming out of the uh, the saucer section. Although right. I, I got to ask, uh, or I got to just make the com- the conversation or make the comment. The observation, I should say, um, the original Enterprise, the Enterprise D was a powerful ship, yes, but it was not optimized to be a warship. It was a multi-purpose ship. Yes, right. it, it packed a power, it packed a powerful punch, had extremely strong um, defensive screens, all that kind of stuff. So it was a threat, but it was meant to be a, a ship of discovery. So it was a, it was a ship of science. There were a lot, lot of space made available for sciences. I mean, it even had facilities for, uh, for families. I mean, it, it had a lot of bloat if really what, you, what you're trying to build is a warship. And, and I'm, just, I'm just restating the direction they went in um, with the Defiant. 
So uh, with the Borg threat out there, uh, they created the Defiant. And the Defiant stripped away all that other kind of stuff. Uh, they, they didn't have the most fancy, biggest um, uh, sick bay. Um, they didn't have the biggest uh, crew quarters. Um, you know, they basically stripped off the stuff they didn't need. And what you have left is a thing optimized for fighting. Right. Um, you know, for its size, uh, a lot of phasers and photon, photon torpedo launchers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just kind of, you know, it's, I just want to just make that point that, that, you know, the original Enterprise D was, was not made to be a warship. That's a good point. So there should be this, this, this warship version should be a lot smaller. Yeah, or else they're using all that space for even more nastiness. Well, yeah, but what do they do? I mean, is it a troop carrier? Well, you could probably do troop carriers <laughs> that are optimized for troop carrying. Whatever. Sure. Oh. Now there was a there was a video game that had um, that was the Mirror Universe, and it was really good, but. It was like you were you were um, I think you were Sulu, right? So the 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 Excelsior was just somehow uh, teleported to the mirror universe, and and it was like the crew members were now on the ISS Excelsior, and they and they had a like a little scene where they were just talking about how everything's different, and like all mm. the all of the uh, shuttles were just rows and rows of uh, little tiny fighter ships. Ah. Okay. Because the game ultimately then became uh, you were just in the fighter ship flying around shooting stuff. Oh. But uh, but I just thought that was interesting. That I was like I never thought about what the the complement of the ship would change if your goals were were different. Right. Until that until that issue or until that that uh that TV show ah video game video game <laughs> and now and now what you're saying here yeah um you know one of the things that I keep thinking of like when they're doing these mirror universe episodes. Is um, why would these ships not be equipped with like a Genesis torpedo? Because the only reason why our universe doesn't keep Genesis devices as weapons is because of we had that accord, and you know it's been agreed on that nobody would use that as a weapon against right. another people. But yep. but in the mirror universe, they shouldn't have that restriction. Mm-hmm. You would assume that their Doctor Marcus would have still created the Genesis device. Sure. So. I would have loved to have seen, like in the Deep Space Nine episodes of the Mirror Universe, that you know maybe they did use it as a weapon, and maybe that was the reason why it kind of backfired on the Federation that that uh, they lost so many planets because because they used the 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 Genesis device torpedo or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Well, it's not over yet. The issues sure, aren't over sure. yet. Who knows? No, we still got a few more issues, but who knows? I haven't read ahead, and if, I really doubt that that comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But I mean, but when you're talking about what would what kind of armament would one ship have in this universe versus ours, right? That that always pops in my head. Yeah. Use that as a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. You just go to Kronos, terraform it, start over, and exactly. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that whole Genesis device thing was. Uh, I mean, terraforming is such a difficult thing. I mean, anyway. Yeah. yeah the, the, I mean, it's kind of stretching things that the Genesis device could even work. But whatever. 
Okay. No, they had they had to have a reason to bring back Spock. Exactly. Something had to do it. We knew where we were going to be at the end. By the end. Um. Let me just. Can I mention something? Different topic. Um. Mm-hmm. When the Cardassian ship was captured, so, and then it was, you know, some people were taken, some, some Cardassians were taken, and, and the ship kind of carved up a little bit, but the ship was taken. And they flushed it of, of all the crew, which I thought was really cruel and heartless. Go, guys. Um, but I was kind of thinking, could this all just be a risky Cardassian plan to try to get... Um, some kind of uh, spies uh, into the shipyards uh, to hopefully find something about this rumored uh, Empire ultimate weapon or something. So right. That just crossed well, my mind. But Yep, that's a very good thing. I mean, but, very good question. But they even asked, is this a trap? Oh, no, no, it's not a trap. Well, it seems like it could have been, though. I mean, that's oh, quite yeah, a coincidence. Absolutely. That's quite a coincidence that the ship just happens to be languishing on the edge of uh, yeah. the solar system. It just happens to be broken exactly. and, and limping along. Yeah, and yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Anyway. No, but No, I thought the same thing. Yeah. But in the end, it sounds like it really is just a, it's just a narrative tool to get Picard and company to, um, you know, to the, to the shipyards. Right. Yeah, just give them an excuse to be there. Exactly. So, there you go. But that shot of the Stargazer pulling the Cardassian ship, Mm -hmm. I loved it because it's like the reverse of when you see the Stargazer in Next Generation and it's being pulled along by the, I think it was a Ferengi ship. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of cool to see the the, the roles Roles reversed. (laughs) With with the uh, Stargazer being the victor and and pulling along a much, much larger ship. Right. Yeah. No, and, and I like I like how it is mirror because in our universe, um, the Prime universe, Picard so loved the Stargazer, and he has all these fond memories about how great it was when he right. was captain of the Stargazer. And then here, he's like, "I want to get off the ship. The ship, <laughs> the ship is a piece of crap." It's you know, so yeah. I really like the reversal there. Well, yeah, there's probably not room for a lot of sentiment in this world, in this universe. Um, in this empire. But, okay, so actually you're leading me uh, into, into a comment of mine. In a, in a cruel, heartless, doggy-dog universe like this, how did a ship ever get a name of the Stargazer? <laughs> That's a good point. Because, I mean, vengeance, okay, I could see that. Um, you know, bloodlust... I mean, there's a lot of names I could think of for a a cruel universe like this. But Stargazer, not one of them. I mean, isn't that kind of like a sentimental thing? Hey, you're a Stargazer. You wonder what's out there. You know, you have very, the best intentions. You're you're a Stargazer. You know, it's like, anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. I didn't think about that, but you're right. I mean, even Enterprise, that that sounds like you're... You know, some sort of business that you're, uh, yes, you know, yes. you're venturing you're out, under, you're undergoing. creating your own opportunities and things mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Uh, whereas that doesn't really fit the mindset of conquering and things like that, too. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, you know, defiant. Okay, fine. Definitely vengeance. Um, yeah. But that's funny because the defiant wasn't even created in, in the mirror universe. It was 
it was created in the Prime Universe and then right. brought over to the Mirror Universe. Exactly. exactly. So it's like it's, they didn't even come up with the one ship that, that the name would have translated well to both universes. It, it's only called the Defiant in their universe because that's what we called it in the Prime Universe. Right. It's kind of funny. Yep. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Anyways, um, back to this issue, if I may. Oh, please. Um, I do like how they subtly show how broken the Stargazer is with crack screens and things like that, mm-hmm. where you can see that the, the view screens they're looking at is all broken. Yes. Yeah. They don't they I don't beat your that. head over it, but it's just like in the background you'll see that this view screen one view screen panel might be completely cracked and yep. not used. Yep. Yeah, because it's it's really is an old ship by now. Uh, I mean, so so this was like a this was a post Taz ship, uh, or maybe I should say post movie ship, post Taz movie ship. But still, if you look at it, it's got the doesn't it have the Enterprise A's uh, engines, or at least it looks like it. Um, you know, and by the yeah, time you bit. come to this time period, that's a pretty stinking old ship, right? Yeah. So you would think that it was probably built around maybe when the Enterprise B was was being built. It might be that old. Maybe not quite that old. Maybe like the but, Enterprise But maybe C. not that that yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you though. Uh, probably not that much after the Enterprise C. Right. Yeah. Or it might have been before the Enterprise C. But yeah, I, I get a feeling that it's an older ship. Exactly. E- even in the real universe. Right. And and obviously the Empire does not have the kind of resources that it should to be able to, uh, you know, repair their ships properly. Right. So that's, that's why, that's why, um, Yar's stunt destroying two ships was ridiculous. Oh, because of the revolt on one of them. Well, well, because of the revolt, but I mean, you're destroying a ship, a functioning ship uh, in an empire that's being beaten back to, uh, the solar system after it had hundreds of worlds. I mean, right, hundreds of worlds? I mean, it was a pretty big umpire, right? Right. Um, you're just going to start destroying ships, uh, not to mention the crews, uh, but, I mean, you need these ships. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. Yep. You're right, you're right. Bad move, Tasha. She's not. That's why she got stabbed in the back. There you go, there you go. So Barclay is chief, uh, security chief here, Security right? chief, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I was still calling him uh, engineer. Well, he, yeah, he was an engineer. He was never chief of engineering, though, was he? I don't think he was. Not in the first, not in the first issue. Or well, they sure the, acted like zero. he was high, high up. High up, yeah. Well, he was lieutenant, right? So, right. yeah, he was high up in engineering, but, but not, not the main person. So, or at least that's, that's the impression I got. Right. So, anyways, um, so I think that uh, when when they break up the fight in the mess hall, that's oh, that's is that one that's one of the shots you wanted to bring up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's that's great. So so they're in there, and (laughs) and these two yokels are 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 having an argument or something, and the one takes the knife and plunges it in the hand of the other, and I just. Love the look on on Broccoli's face. He is just like, oh my god, I can't believe he did that. And then Data's kind of looking at it with a little smile, a very subtle smile, like, 
<laughs> yeah, I I should observe uh, human behavior more often. I, I right. thought it was pretty good. I like yeah, it. when you when you were saying that in the last issue, I was like, I bet he's going to talk about that one. Yes, I too had the same comment. <laughs> that was fun. I mean, he is shocked. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And it's quite bloody because it looks like the blood's squirting onto him. Oh too. yeah, oh yeah, it's squirting all over the place. Ouch. Uh, speaking of how people look, or uh, anyway, so Jordy, I think Jordy looks pretty weird with the shaved head and the mustache and like those swimming go- squ- swimming goggles style visor. Um, I kind of like it. I-, I like it too. It's just just a little weird, right? Yeah, it looks like he's just wearing shades. He, he looks very cool. He looks more like a jazz musician or something. <laughs> yeah. I do like how they're – I mean they are treating him like he, like he's disabled. Even that guy with the ponytail is like, are you sure these are right? How do you even see that these are <laughs> Exactly. Right? And he's exactly. like, seriously, he works for you. He's obviously pretty high up in the ranks that he's working on this classified ship. Exactly. And then all of a sudden you're, you're going to give him grief about being blind? Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. But I guess he's going to get his comeuppance in the next couple of issues. Exactly. You stupid Dr. Sanchez. You don't realize pure genius when it's in front of you. Is that his name? I thought his name was Ponytail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dr. Sanchez. Sanchez. Dismiss you, Lieutenant. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, at least they give him a good reason for, uh, you, know, you know, for going against uh, these, you know, the, the powers that be building this new ship. Right. So I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I do like how, like you said, it is kind of a heist. It's like an Ocean's Eleven type thing where right. somebody's just like, I, got, I need one of these guys and these guys and these guys. Mm-hmm. And he's just putting the people together. Yep. He's, he's Danny Ocean. There you go. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of it being a heist heist story until until yeah. just now yeah. um cool. oh uh picard no did you notice that part uh, picard mentions rescuing data from that mine that mine yeah that I was wondering mine if, if that's what i mean because in the prime universe they find him in that he's in the on that planet right the crystalline planet but it's like it's all rock right so i was wondering if that's what he was talking about um, I was thinking of uh, Time Zero, uh, that TNG episode. Where they find his head? They find his head. Mm. So what, what was that? He went, goes back in the 1800s somehow. I forgot the details. It's been a long right. time since I've seen that episode. But he gets his head, blown, his head separated from the rest of his body, and it right. gets buried in that, uh, that mine or something. And um, I thought that's what they were talking about. Because that other thing, oh, I, I know, I know, he found the parts of uh, um, a B two or B four. No, but that's different. But he so found what were lore. You of? He found lore, and at that uh, the planet where the crystalline entity had destroyed, oh. and it was all like a rocky planet. And I thought that's what they were talking about. But oh, hmm. And that's where they found lore, turned him on, and and he told them about the oh, story. Okay. Well, but, oh, said so that was a mine though. I don't know. Okay, I, don't, okay. I don't remember them saying it was a mine, but it's okay. been a long time since I've seen that episode. Okay, okay. So the only thing I know they mentioned mine was that Time Zero one. But I, right. I, I still doesn't quite make sense to me. So 
a matter of fact, I forgot exactly how that went. Um, uh, I, so, so they they well, find off with them finding find the head. The head. Yeah. Back on Earth, they find the head because that all happened on Earth. And then what they received a message on the Enterprise saying they found something very interesting. You may want to see, Captain. And then they go to Earth. All the way back to Earth, yeah. And then they see Data's head. How did this happen? And Okay, that, that, that's how it happened. Okay. Well, is yeah, that, so it, is that it, what they were with, referring to? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't but know. yeah, it, it ends somehow with Data being destroyed in the past. Yeah. And then they have to put his old head onto the new uh, – uh, his current body. So it's like – I always thought it was weird. It's like, so his head is, is like – 100 200 years older than the rest of his body right because is because it 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 went through time the hard way You're right. <laughs> right exactly anyway i thought that was interesting um yeah i wonder what they were talking maybe there'll be a flashback episode issue yeah uh, another thing I thought was kind of odd in this issue is uh when they have some of the front shots like from the view screen back on the bridge crew uh, and you see the uh, navigation and helm stations. Um, the labels? The labels. They they labeled it as navigation and helm. They Now, please tell me I have not missed that all these years, but I don't remember <laughs> them ever labeling them in the show. I've never recalled seeing okay. it that way. Okay, that's fine. Okay, fine. Um, I just maybe, find it... Maybe it was on the Stargazer episode, and I'd, it's been a while since I've seen that episode. But uh, maybe it was there, and that's why they put it on this one. Huh. Or maybe st- maybe Mirror Universe people are just stupid, and they don't know which which side of the thing to sit on. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe when they showed the Stargazer, maybe they did label it. But that is pretty stupid. But that would be the first ship <laughs> ever in Star Trek that they've labeled it that I, I know. know. Why would you do that? Anyway, whatever. I thought it was an odd thing for uh, – for them to put it, but aren't the there drugs. aren't there spots reversed? So in our universe, no. isn't uh... no check check off is always on the yeah, spot no, that data about data is. data is always at helm, not not navigation. Well, back in the old days, early days, it was Jordy at helm all the time, and data was at navigation. Okay, wasn't but, he? No, yeah, but but data was sitting on the right side. And Jordy was on the left side, and well, then later Jordy oh, was replaced with. Uh, oh, well, okay. Now t- tell me what your what your frame of reference is. Um, what's wh- are you looking from the front going back or? I'm from looking from the art? view screen looking back at. Okay, right, right, okay. So Jordy was always on the right hand side when he was when he was the uh, ship uh, when he was the pilot in the early days. No, he was on the left hand side. No, he was on the right side side. He was on the right-hand side. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Well, okay. I'm never going to say with 100% certainty when, I, when we disagree <laughs> that you're smoking <laughs> weed because sometimes you're not. <laughs> but to the best of my recollection, Jordy was always on the right side. And then Data was on the left side. And Jordy was the pilot. And Jordy the, the, was the pilot, and, but he and, was always on the left side. Like if you're hold on, hold on, hold on, if hold you're on. the view screen looking back, yes, exactly. At Picard, which is the same. Chair. Which is the same. Okay, so the page in this issue, I don't know which page it is, but it's the one we're talking about that has Nav and Helm labeled. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So where did Sulu always sit then, Mister Smarty Pants? 
Sulu always sat on the David. right. No, never. Sulu was always on the right, and Chekhov was always on the left. Now, now I, I, I got to draw a line here, man. I, <laughs> I, I watched a lot of those Taz episodes. Yeah, me too. And uh... <laughs> okay, yeah. If you look at it from the view screen, looking backwards. Sulu was always always on on the right. right. Yes, exactly right. Yes. Yeah, okay. The view screen looking backwards. Uh, Maybe later, but but in the old days when Jordy was a pilot, he was always on the right, just like like Sulu. Hmm. All right. Helm is always on the right. Well, at least every time I noticed. Right. Maybe I'll... Didn't Paris used to sit on the right? I don't know. Well, Paris sat in the middle because they they didn't have the other con station then. Well, they, wait a minute. V- Voyager didn't have navigation station. Okay. Uh, you no, know, it was just he was kind of sitting by himself, and then everybody else kind of sat along the wall. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I I I, I have not seen Voyager in a while, so yeah. I'm not I'm not going to follow right, my so sword. So I know four hundred percent that jo- that data was always on the right and check. Uh, um, Jordy and then Wesley was always on the left. So opposite, Data was in the other position than he is here in this in this issue. I'm okay. willing to bet on it. We'll, willing we'll, to bet we'll, on we'll it. agree to disagree, but let's <laughs> let's move on. All right, moving on. <laughs> Although I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. I, I just wanted to I just wanted to comment on this issue in particular. Uh, uh, Data's implants keep on shifting around, so uh, he just struck me as uh, uh, Mr. Potato Head. He just on his keeps arms? up. No, on or his face just... and everything. So, so he's he's got no implants on his face in this issue, at least in the particular pages I'm looking at. And mm-hmm. he's got no imp- his, his arms look normal at the beginning of this issue. Right. Well, he's got arms that can interchange, and then well, I know uh, that. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just pointing out. Where the other one was more subtle, and he had those implants in his face, I think, in, in issue zero. In this one, um, we're just seeing more of the changes happening, I think. Sure. Well, there's that shot when he's, like, melting something in the in his yes. room. Yes. And he has it. He has them in on one. his face, yep. and then he just kind of takes them off like if they were a helmet or something. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then, and then he's got the, uh, the, what, the burn or the torching, whatever, on his right arm. Right. So yeah, he's he's just mixing and matching like uh, like Mr. Potato Head. That's that's my point. Nope. Yep. You're right. That's my and point. he can pop off the side of his head to implant it like R two D two. I thought that. Ah. Uh. <laughs> like, hey, he's R two D it. Well, he always did that. I mean, the best of both worlds when he was plugged into right. trying to plug into Picard. Yeah, I just thought it was we know funny. we know that. And, and and the fun thing about those is. It always seemed to me like like the thing was moving a little bit, because even though it was supposed to be like directly in his skull and not on his hair, his hair was around it. It always seemed like that was like a part that was pasted onto his uh, hair. Oh, you noticed it moving? I never it noticed did, it. It, it just—I I don't know. It, it seemed like it was just moving a little bit. I know it was always funny when they pulled up that little flap, and you could tell before they did it that it was a flap and not his real hair. Right. And then they're like, boop, pulled it out, and then, then you see the blinking behind it yeah, or underneath yeah. it. Right. It's like, boy, you could have could have probably done a one less shot before you <laughs> did the reveal. 
<laughs> it could have gone. It could have went off better. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's all I have for this one. All right, I'm good too. Um, well, I did want to. Um, I did want to mention the Inquisitor Troy thing. So okay. I don't yeah. really know what her role is if she's second officer. Uh, but you know, he gives her command of the the bridge when he leaves, and everybody looks kind of like worried about that. So, and he doesn't seem to have a first officer. So I'm assuming. That's her role. What do you well, think? That's, I, I'm glad you brought that up because in the first issues, I thought that Riker was the first officer, but for whatever reason, he wasn't on there, maybe because he attempted a, cue, a coup um, and he, and he uh, lost. Sure. But as we'll find out in the next issue, that's not the case. Um, he's actually first officer of the Enterprise. Um and so the idea of taking that further to saying, well, if Riker isn't the first officer, then who is? Good question. I don't know who the first officer is, but I guess maybe Troy. Right. Yeah, maybe her. All right. Well, I was just wanting to see if you, what you thought her role was. I, I thought she was just uh, a very uh, – an analogous role to what she was uh, in Prime Universe. Only she was using all of her emotion reading. Um, she never – I didn't think she could read minds in in the original Prime Universe. Did she? No. no. She, she, she read emotions and stuff. Okay. Well, but that's – that was – yeah. That yeah, was okay, what she okay. had. That was her powers that she had uh, because she was half human. So, oh, yeah. so if you're full beta Z, Betazoid, you can read minds too. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think that okay. they implied that okay, with her okay. mom and stuff like that. Okay, well, she seems to have kind of the mind-reading thing going, uh, as yep. we'll see in the next issue. But Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, I'm ready. Okay, issue number two, uh, again, I don't see a title, uh, was published in June of 2017. Um, I think most everybody's the same, except that uh, colors are done by Charlie Kirchhoff. I think that's a new, a new one. Um, and Chase Marats is back doing editorial assists. And I think that's the only difference. Okay, multiple covers. The first one features Picard viciously attacking Riker, who is uh, backing up and off balance. Troy, Data, Barclay, and LaForge are looking on with varying levels of interest. The retailer incentive cover features a very evil-looking Riker holding up a, a knife. Gold-colored, uh, thick liquid is on the blade. Um, honey, perhaps? Picard and the three-nacelled Enterprise is in the background. Uh, yeah. The subscription cover features... Oh, that one was by Josh Hood, by the way. And the first one was by J.K. Woodward. I don't think I mentioned that. The subscription cover features Picard holding a golden-hilted knife. His skin is black and white, but his uniform is colored normally. Cover is by George Kaltsodas. Picard is working out in the Stargazer's gymnasium and showing us how he obtained those sleeveless guns of his. Picard is thinking how this Enterprise D is exactly what he needs to get off this junk heap of a ship and onto a ship worthy of his abilities. He thinks how he will be forced to trust subordinates for this plan to work, which he really hates. 
Meanwhile, doing bench presses, a shadowy figure enters the room and switches the gravity-setting pinning card to the bench with a heavy metal bar at his throat. Luckily, the electronic weight machine shorts out, giving Picard the chance to get out from under the weight bar. Unpinned, Picard removes a throwing dagger from his boot and hurls it at his cowardly attacker. The blade finds its mark in the assassin's chest and triggers a geyser of blood. Security enters, and Picard tells them to clean up the mess. Picard immediately meets with Inquisitor Troy, Data, and Barclay. Mr. LaForge is obtaining the new command codes for the Enterprise. Data and Barclay will help him to transfer them into Picard's hands. One slip up from them, and we are all done for. Picard has two more tasks that the Inquisitor is uniquely positioned to provide. First, he, uses, he asks her to use her abilities to read the minds and emotions of the crew to find the ones most likely to be loyal to Picard. They, and only they, will come with them to the Enterprise. Second, she wants Troy to use her relationship with Will Riker, the first officer on the Enterprise, to help them. She agrees, despite the two not being on speaking terms. Troy conducts her interviews with the crew members under the pretext of a routine loyalty task to the Empire. Troy brings her list of 100 crew members, most likely to stay loyal to Picard when they will need it the most. Picard states he has tasked Data and Barclay with how to get all 100 of them off the Stargazer and onto the Enterprise. Picard says he has faith that Data and Barclay will deliver. It's LaForge he is not as sure about. He, had, he has promised to deliver on some extremely difficult things. Meanwhile, LaForge is making sure he can deliver on his promises to Picard by dropping by Dr. Leah Brahm's quarters. He knows he needs a second set of smart hands at the correct console when he tries the command code cutover. He makes Leah many promises, including making her his exec in engineering. Eventually, she agrees, and they seal their alliance with a kiss. The next day, the plan begins. She returns to the Enterprise with little trouble, saying she is prepping for the final inspection of engineering. She takes out the chief engineer, Leland T. Lynch, with a hypospray. Command and control is switched over to Picard and his bridge crew. Meanwhile, Data and Barclay enter a shuttle hangar and begin preparations. While they work, Barclay points out how risky all this is. If everything does not go exactly right, they will, be, they will all be caught and killed. Data admits when he took the risk at Utopia Planitia to hack the ship's the shipyard's computers, and confirm the existence of the Enterprise, the risk made him feel alive. Later, Picard finds Riker in a bar on Utopia Planitia. The meeting was arranged by Troy. Riker is not happy because Troy was supposed to meet him, not this grizzled old captain. Picard tells Riker he knows about the Enterprise and intends to take her with or without Riker's help. He'd prefer Riker's help, but either way. Riker rejects Picard's offer, at first with words, and then with a mean left cross punch. A nasty knockdown dragout fight ensues, and they fight each other to more or less of a draw. 
both men, beaten and bloody, sit on the floor in front of the main bar. Riker asks Picard to tell him about his plan. Picard asks what Riker is drinking. To be continued. That is a vicious fight. That is a very vicious fight, but look at the last panels with each man's face. Not a blemish on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, believe if you're in a fight like this, I mean, I think... Again, Woodward does a fantastic job of, uh, of art, and he is showing like bodily fluids flying off of their faces and body parts as they are just whomping on each other. Very visceral, very cool, yet at the end, <laughs> they're ready for a photo shoot. Well, in the future, when you can just run that little thing over your face to uh, seal up all the... The, oh, the, the, dermal, the lacerations. The dermal generator? Yeah, they probably did that after, before they started talking. You're like, you know what? We're done. Let me just uh, heal myself real quick, and then let's, let's chat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm, sure that's so. what, I'm sure that's what they meant happened. Right. So I, based on covers and things that I had been seeing leading up to begin reading this series, I thought Riker was totally going to be you know, uh, the guy that, that stabs Picard in the back. Um, but uh, I, I was I was surprised when they weren't even on the same ship, and now I'm also surprised that now they have beaten each other to a point where they have seem to have some mutual admiration going on. Right. I did like how he says, "You're not the toughest person I've ever met, but uh, pretty damn close." Uh, right. And, which is really something because so different. I mean, um, Picard is significantly shorter than Riker, um, and and uh, Patrick Stewart is is a thin is a relatively thin man. He's he's not big and, and burly at all. Uh, so Riker's a bigger guy, right? Um, yet in this universe, obviously Picard is quite buff. Um, probably so. So is Riker. His arms certainly look it. Um, so thought it was interesting they could beat each other into a standstill or in, into. Uh, uh, a draw because I don't think that would be the results in our universe if they ever came to blows. I don't know, man. That first contact, he looks pretty buff there. Well, but that's it, and that was about the only that was the only movie like that. I mean, let's look at Generations. Um, he was beaten. He had to go and get Old Man Kirk to help him out. That's because he was there. Because he would what? Because he old, was there. Old Man Kirk was there. He didn't need him. <laughs> no, Picard got beaten by um Oh, okay, I see what you're By what's his Soren? Face? Soren, there you go, Soren. I forgot yeah. his name. Now now mind you, Soren showed that he could you know, he was a good fighter and he could take out a Klingon or a female Klingon. But still. Um Picard could but but the funny thing is, uh old man Kirk could take on Soren, which I found fascinating. Yeah. Let's not talk about that one. <laughs> okay. Well, by the way, that's not the way that – that was not the original uh, what happened in the script. Yeah, so what is it again? Uh, what was the original one? Well, the original one basically Soren shoots Kirk in the back, uh, and there is no real fight. Um, and I guess audiences watching it uh, thought they didn't like that. I mean Kirk, Kirk came off as 
as almost useless. Right. Uh, but apparently whatever happened with Kirk getting shot in the back was enough time for Picard to disable the uh, the missile or whatever. But I'm surprised the shot went along with that first version. Well, yep. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I know that the so. novel has the original ending. Uh, oh, really? And I and I read it. I didn't know back that when it was new, but I'd forgotten what the what oh, the I'd, real ending was. I'd be kind of interested to uh, to read that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think it's the novels by Diane Dwayne. I think. Hmm. So, okay. it it's worth a read. Yeah. I read it back when the movie was new, so it's 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 been a few years. Yeah. <laughs> How I, old I, is that movie now? Like. It's old. old. It's old. I, I I like that movie. I like Generations. It wasn't perfect. I mean, it stretched things a lot. And this whole Nexus thing is a, a joke. And the fact that Whoopi Goldberg was there, give me a break. But I like that movie. But right. Oh well. Yeah, and then Harriman was such a dweeb. Oh yeah. Well, but that that's was that's all he was meant to be. Right. And, and this whole expanded universe thing he's gone gone down. That's great. That, that's that's great, but he was a wimp. That that's what he that's what they wanted him to be. Kirk had to be the savior. Kirk had to be the savior, but why would you give somebody like that command of the, you know, flagship of the of the Federation? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyways, back to this issue. Um, I liked the fight. I thought it was pretty pretty intense. Um, I also liked the bar that they went to. Mm. Oh oh yeah. Okay. I mean, there was a Nausicaan there, and there. Oh was a, yeah. Right. There's a bunch of Andorians, a lot of Andorians, so they must have been on shore leave or something. Right. But no, yeah. I just I thought it was reminded me of the cantina or the uh, the uh, exactly. bar in Star Trek Three that that uh, um, Leonard McCoy goes to 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 get back to Vulcan or oh, get right. be, get to Genesis. Right. Yeah, it's a rough place. Yeah. It's a rough place. You don't want to be uh, going in there without your six guns or something going for you. Right. So when I was reading this, I was uh, kind of falling asleep a little bit. And like the last thing that I was reading was the uh, Leah Brahms thing. Uh-huh. Yep. So I remember telling my wife, I was like, oh, it's so cute. Jordy just uh, smooching with Leah Brahms. And mm-hmm. she's like, the hologram in the mirror universe, he gets on with the hologram. And I'm like, no, 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 this is the real one. Yeah. Yeah, you you in this alternate uh, evil universe, you don't have time to be shy. So you know, Jordy's getting it on. He's he's not holding back, and he's yeah, apparently so, uh, has a history with her. Right. So maybe she never was married to the other guy in this one. Maybe not. But she doesn't look like the actress from the first movie or from the from the TV show. Ah, uh, a little bit, but but not that much. I yeah, don't remember right. her having a this. Bit. Long black hair. Well, I mean, I mean, from a hair standpoint, is that that's totally different. Sure. But but I mean, the face. There are some things where you can see it's her face. Hmm. But yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. But I, I at first I thought that was Troy. I was like, why is Jordy meeting with Troy? And yeah. then I, you know, read the word balloons, and I was like, right. oh, that's not her. Yeah, she's got that mole above her lip, too, which is what. Uh, what that actress had. Oh, wow. I didn't notice it on the picture. Yeah. See, he's good artist. Well, I, I don't see the mole as much in the first page. You see her? 
But boy, it really stands out uh, in the next page. Right before they smooch. Yes, exactly. Everything. Everything? Everything. Oh, Jordy. You manual. Moochie smoochie. Exactly. Good for Jordy. Good for evil Jordy. Okay, so um, I'm telling you. Okay, so Riker sucker punches Picard, which was really not sporting. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not so sure I trust this Riker. I mean, maybe sucker punches is something that's common over there, but Picard went there speaking to a man to man, whatever. And then Riker sucker punches. So, uh, I, you know, that, that thing I said before about thinking, oh, Riker is going to be like, like preoccupied with taking, uh, Picard out, um, I wouldn't be surprised as this moves forward uh, if if there is a, a, a potential double cross going to happen, uh, and Riker's the uh, the guy doing it. Yeah, uh, but for for in his defense, Picard just said, "If I want you dead, you would already be dead." So well, it's not really a sucker punch when someone threatens you like that. Well, he's 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 basically selling telling him, "I don't want you dead," and I didn't kill you. <laughs> so that seems very friendly to me in this universe. <laughs> that that's the equivalent of saying, "Dude, I like the cut of your jib. Let's get a beer." Uh, it seemed a little more aggressive than that, but okay. <laughs> oh, it was, but whatever. But I thought they were like when they were fighting each other by mm-hmm. picking up tables and throwing them at each other. I was like, "Dude, these guys are monsters." I mean, Picard just like throws a table at him and then Riker gets up and throws a chair at him. Oh just, yeah. Dude. And, 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 and that one scene, uh, so, uh, Picard takes the sucker punch and then like, just, just totally hulkifies stuff. I mean, right. he's throwing the, the, the table up in the air and, and Riker's flying and he's got his hands up in the air. Like he's the Hulk and it's just pretty cool. Well, there's a there's a shot where Picard punches Riker, but he misses. Right, Riker just moves his head just at the right time, mm-hmm. and Picard's fist goes through the metal metal plating of this bar, and then throughout the fight, you see this big hand dent in the in the wall. Right, right. And I was I kept waiting for them to say, you know, they somehow roided up or something, uh, but they never do. They act like it's normal. <laughs> and, and well, these guys are powerful. These yeah, are they these are. are powerful, bulky uh, Starfleet officers or uh, Empire officers. Sorry, right? Yeah. But I did like the the grin on Riker's face. You know, it's like, all right, tell me your plan. Exactly. I mean, that's so Riker. That's from, Riker. From that's Riker. totally Riker. Uh, despite the left eye being totally screwed. Right. Yeah. I wonder what happened there. Well, he got cut. So somebody took a knife, cut him down the face, and uh, it probably popped his eye. And uh, where most people would have either a, a a leather patch or perhaps a metal patch bolted into his skull, uh, Riker goes au natural. Yeah, he could have he could have gotten a fake eye. He could have gotten a fake eye, but Couldn't he get one apparently of them, didn't want to. One of them Jordy eyes. He, he's, well, he's mm, yeah, but apparently they haven't got to that quite yet. Because <laughs> Jordy's still got his uh, swinging goggles going. Swimming goggles, that's a good explanation. Well, when you look at it from the front, it definitely looks like swimming goggles. But when you look at the side, there's a lot more to it. 
right. you know, a lot more metal and stuff. So uh, what about – so this guy, um, Leland T. Lynch, definitely that name rang a bell with me. So that was the chief of engineering that Leah uh, knocked out. Okay. So did, did, okay, well, okay. So I did a, a search, and I ended up at uh, Memory Beta, and it says Lieutenant Commander Leland T. Lynch was one of four officers to serve as chief engineer on the USS Enterprise D. Twenty three sixty four. Yeah, he was one of those early ones, right? Yeah, first season. Exactly. They they went through a lot of different engineers. Um, Lynch had the strange habit of announcing his full name when answering or making <laughs> a, a comm call. <laughs> Captain Picard demonstrated annoyance at this in the episode Skin of Evil. So it's like I, I, didn't, I didn't really recognize the guy facially, and I, the name kind of sounded familiar, but if it wasn't for memory bait, I wouldn't know. I would, oh, that's no hilarious. I would have no clue. That's, and that's really good. And they show it, they had a picture of the guy. So um Did he have his uh, hair he, parted he, like this? Oh, I think so. I I, oh, yeah. I I think he did a good job of uh of uh, of rendering him. Oh, that's hilarious. Woodward did a good job. He got the guy actually does look like like the actor who played Leland T. Lynch for a very small short period of time. And I like how now that you told me that I like how she asks, are you the chief engineer? And he's like, Leland T. Lynch, at your service. Exactly right. <laughs> just like just like you said. <laughs> yes, oh, I am, hilarious. Lieutenant. Commander Leland T. Lynch, at your service. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Man, That's I'm glad you looked that up. Yeah. A little <laughs> Easter egg that I totally missed. Yeah. Well, these, these guys. Um, the Tiptons? And it's yeah, they, the know tip, the, they, they know the stuff. We've mentioned this before, but uh, yeah. So uh, these guys definitely have their Star Trek history, and they do like to uh, slip things in. I do like it. So the uh, the little teaser for the next cover, um, I really like the way they have uh, Wesley with his little spiky hair. Oh, God. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's great. I liked it. Now uh, – Crusher is so prim and proper the way she's got her her hair and everything. She just reminds me of like a like a Gestapo officer or something. Um, and but then I, I agree, Wesley. He's got his. He just looks like a punk. He's got his like suspenders coming out the bottom and uh, spiky <laughs> hair, and he looks like he's just loving uh, inflicting pain on Picard in the agony booth. In the agony booth. Yeah. So so is. Okay, so Picard makes a big deal in this issue about um, I really don't feel good about having to trust my uh, my uh, my crew with so many things. I'd rather be doing more of this myself and and not having to give away the plan to so many people and, and having so many important things that other people are doing. Um, sure. Is this is this like a foreshadowing that he's going to get caught? It seems that way. Yeah. It does seem like but in the end he's gotta get the ship. Well, we hope so. That's right. I think he's gonna get the ship, but somehow he's caught. That's that's funny. Wesley. <laughs> so uh I, I'm I'm gonna try to go back and reread the um the IDW 
uh, Mirror Images okay. miniseries oh, was that, that we did. Yeah. Okay. It was a five-part miniseries. Uh, it came out in 2008, and we reviewed it in episodes 217, 218, and 219, so about 80 episodes ago. Oh. Um, so which is probably why we don't remember it. That's probably it. That's a lot of Trek to be G- reading. Give us a break. Give, us a, give ourselves a break. <laughs> so uh, I do want to reread those, especially the ones that have to do with the next generation in this Mary universe to see if they're contradicting themselves at all. Okay. So because I think that there's one where in that miniseries there was one where it was a young a young Tom Hardy Picard in the um, in the Stargazer. So I can't remember if there was a, a next generation Enterprise D. But it is the same one you were talking about earlier, which is the first three issues were all about what Spock did. Right, and then there was like a an, a random issue of the next generation with young young Picard, and then it ended up and then it had something to do with Pike, so maybe uh, maybe the mirror universe version of um, the menagerie thing where Pike was somehow oh but, well, involved it, in it. Is that the one? I think that one was showing how Kirk became captain of the Enterprise. Oh, by killing right Pike? by killing Pike. Yeah, okay, I think now you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that that's so they, coming back to me. They just told him out of order, right? But anyways, it, it, I remember them being good, so I'm going to give them a. I'm gonna try to reread them. Yeah, I remember those being pretty good. So if I find anything, I'll I'll tell you next week. Okay, you do that. Okay, so uh, do you have anything? Else? So so Barkley finally has a shirtless uniform. Yeah, he does. Throwing off, showing off them guns. Yeah, well, he he's not that big. <laughs> But at least he's got a little, a little more muscle tone uh, than I would have expected. So, so he's definitely got the full uniform in some panels, but he also has the uh, the sleeveless one going too, right. in some panels too. So, oh, uh, oh, here, here you go. Uh, more, more great looking faces. Uh, so while uh, Troy is doing her interviewing of four different people, mm-hmm. um, I like it because they've got. They got some some dialogue going back and forth, and then you see her face. There's an inset thing of her face, and right. you can kind of see her reaction to these people. And I especially like the last one. <laughs> yeah, it looks like she Where, just stepped in dog poop. It's yeah, or yeah, or she's mm-hmm. like, I don't believe what an idiot this person is. And that was the woman that was saying that she hates everybody on the ship. Yeah, that they're all incompetent. Much. And exactly. Like that. That's it. That's yeah. it. In, their incompetence, all of them, this whole damn ship, I wouldn't count on a single one of them. <laughs> and then she's looking at him saying, you're staying behind. <laughs> Definitely staying behind. And, and I think I smell something. Did you step in something on the way in? <laughs> exactly. So she's, she's got like her upper lip up a bit like, Ugh. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I thought the same thing. I like those little insets. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's all I got to say. Except that I'm right. looking forward to the next issues. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't think the second miniseries is completely out yet, so I doubt we can just go straight into that one. So we'll have to revisit it after the next episode. Uh, okay. Whenever whenever all five issues or six issues come out. Right. Okay, that sounds great. I, I, I'm I'm looking forward just to the next three issues of this one, but Me even too. more so uh, the sequel. Right. 
All right. Well, th- thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next uh, next episode for Star Trek Comic Book Review. Excellent. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review.